I want to ask you a, a, maybe a silly question. Certainly it's a question that the world doesn't understand. And, and here's the question. It comes, let's just say it's coming from the world. Why would you guys be clapping right now? What kind of people clap and write songs to celebrate an instrument of death? Like a cross, like a crucifixion. You you do know that a world who doesn't understand Christ, doesn't understand God's plan, and doesn't understand the glory of the gospel has no clue why we would write songs, sing them, and applaud about a cross, about an instrument, a horrible, horrible instrument of death. Want to hear some truth? He, Jesus Christ, was pierced for our rebellion He was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. There's the answer. And we just sang the truth that his power, the power of the cross, the power of his shed blood will never lose its power. It will hold us and it will keep us until the day that he calls us home. We celebrate the cross of Jesus Christ because it was there that he paid for our sins. It was there that he made a way of salvation. It was there that his blood was shed to cover for a covering so that we could come before the Lord, boldly before this throne. We could sing his praise and we could be saved to eternal life. That's something to shout about. That's something to praise about. That's something to lift up the roof of this building with. Praise because of the truth of God's word that he has come to seek and to save those who are lost. And we are those sheep that were lost and we have been found. We were blind, but now we see. We were deaf and now we can hear. And that's what we celebrate, right? Let's celebrate one more time and lift it up to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead and have a seat, and why don't you grab your Bibles and turn to uh, the book of Deuteronomy is where we're going to be today. But I've been, uh, all week, I've been thinking about that song and, and thinking, wow. And as we're exploring this question, this one-word question, why, I was asking questions like this. Have you, have you ever done this? Have you ever been at a place where you've asked the Lord, you've gone to the, your father and said, why did you decide to do things the way you decided to do them? Why did you decide that for the redemption of man, in order to purchase man's redemption, you have to kill your own son? Let me ask you a question. Is God able to just speak a word and redeem some people who are lost or to restore a broken, the brokenness of our sin? Is he able to just speak it and make it happen? Mm-hmm. 
Is he able to just like, like he did at creation, just speak a word and just like make everything happen and everything the way he wants it because he is God, he is almighty, he is all powerful, and he can do whatever he wants. Isn't it interesting that the God of the universe, almighty, all powerful, omnipotent God, who can do anything he wants and make this world system do whatever he wants, he can make it work the way he wants it, he can make redemption the way he wants it, isn't it? Isn't it interesting that he chose to sacrifice his one and only son, his sinless son, for people like you and me? But the Bible says there's greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Here, here's the other thing. Um, I was, I've been reading this week about the false gods of the nations that are just either carvings or they're poured statues and how, how amazing it is that, that men of this world, they actually think that they can make something and set it up on a stand and pray to it and worship it and give their lives and do- dedicate their lives to it when it's never done anything for them. It is a lifeless statue. It's a lifeless idol. It has never done anything. No idol ever has. But God, and no idol has ever loved anyone, has never sacrificed one day, one minute, has never given up anything for you, but God has given up everything for his children. Do you know that even... Jesus asked some questions about this process. You know, Jesus felt everything we feel. He was 100% man and yet 100% God. And I have no time to spend today helping you figure that out. But in the garden before his death, Before they were going, he knew they were coming to arrest him and take him away to this cross that we just sang about. He looked, he poured, the Bible says that he sweated like great drops of blood. He was so concerned about everything that was getting ready to happen because he knew what was going to happen. And he said to the Lord, he looked up to heaven and he cried to his father, is there another way? I know what's coming, but he cried out to the Father and he said, can you let this cup pass from me? Even Jesus, in the middle of his experience here in the earth, had some questions for the Father, but you know, it's, we all know this, right? We all know how he, how he responded after that because he didn't hear the voice of God back to him. But this is what he said, and this is his illustration to all of us. Nevertheless, he said, not my will be done, but your will be done. Even Jesus Christ wrestled with the why question. Why this? Is there another way? I'll vote for that. How many of you have been in your world, you know, and in your life and things are happening and you're like, you know, God, if there's another way out of this, I vote for that. Please don't take me through this. Even our Lord wrestled with that. But just before, 
Ready for this? Just before all of the suffering took place, in one of the last conversations he had with his disciples in John chapter 15, this is what he said to them. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. I like to have it go this way because of what we know post this speaking of Jesus because of what has been written to us in the epistles. It goes like this. When the world hates you, just remember that it hated me first. In fact, the world would love you as one of its own if what? What, people? If what? If you belong to it. You know how to get the world to love you? I was just talking to somebody this morning here at church and said, you know, out there in the world, it's so hard because we all want to just get along. We all want to just accept each other for, let's just, let's just all get along and love each other and you can be whatever you want and I'll be whatever I want and we're going to be okay with that. Except that that's opposite of the truth because you can't be okay with people who are not okay with God. And yet that's what our world wants for all of us. If you want the world to love you, you have to belong to the world. If you want the world to love you and you want it just everybody just get along, can't we just all live at peace together on this earth? What's the answer? Some of you, you're all going doing the Christian thing. No, no, no. Actually, it's yes, you can if you love the world. If you belong to the world, then we can all get along, even though we all know that that doesn't happen anyway because of our sin and because of our brokenness. The world will love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. And since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. They will do all this to you because of me. For they have rejected the one who sent me. We're talking about truth. And um, I spent some time listening to John MacArthur. He's pastor of Grace Church in California. Uh, from last Sunday's sermon that he preached, somebody sent it to me. Thank you very much. Hey, by the way, Ryan and Megan Hansen, I heard you guys are here. Are you here? No? Yeah? You guys come all the way from Honduras and sit in the balcony? <laughs> hey, we love you. There are missionaries to Honduras. Ryan, you grew up in this church basically, right? Megan, you kind of too. Um, met together, got married, and God has sent them off to Honduras. We've been praying for you guys about all the flooding and everything you guys have been through. They literally were fleeing to rooftops to escape the floods. We just, we love you. We thank God for you and the work that you're doing. So um, welcome home. And I hear you're just on your way back, right? Sometime soon? Is that a yes or a I can barely see you up there. All right. Well, we love you. Glad you're here. 
This is what I, uh, I, listened to, I listened to his message, and this is what he said. I want you to, I put it on the screen for you. I, I wrote it down. Um, we don't win down here. We lose. Okay. Some of you are already mad at me, okay, for bringing this up. To clear the air, he said, I love this clarity. We don't win. We lose on this battlefield, but we win on the big one, on the eternal one. Do you understand that, my friends? See, our goal here as believers, we are travelers. This is not our home. We have been called out of this system and out of this world to be citizens of heaven, and we're on our way. We're moving through this place to a greater place. And all you, you don't need to spend much time in your Bible reading to understand that it doesn't go well for Christians in this place. And if your goal is happiness on this earth, you're gonna be really disappointed if you're trying to live for God because the Bible says that for all those who wanna live godly are going to suffer. More than ever, that kind of clarity is coming to the church. You don't want to hear that on Sunday morning, I know. You want to hear me say, everything's going to be fine. I've already lost you, I can, I can see. You know what Jesus said in John 16, Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Translation, because I have overcome the world, you, my, my sons and daughters, are overcomers. Even though you're going to go through some trials and tribulation and suffering here on this earth. I'm in the middle of a crazy emotional dilemma right now. Because I have, like... Dread. I'm living with dread about what's coming because I know enough about the scriptures. The more you read the scriptures, for me, actually, the more dread comes. But at the same time, I have this excitement in anticipation of what's going to happen. I've never been a soldier and I've never been in a war, but I imagine that's what it would be like on the eve of a major battle. You're trying to sleep, you can't sleep, and you've got this dread because you don't know what's coming. You don't know what the outcome is tomorrow. In fact, you'd like want to know, right? Do you want to know? But you can't know, and so you have this dread about the day, and yet there's an excitement because you're ready and you're with your brothers and sisters in arms and you, your, your commanders are all out there with confidence ready to go and you're all prepared. Everybody's suited up and you're ready to go. And yet you, you, you have to put together in your emotions the dread and excitement of the whole thing. But when you throw God in the mix and our God, God our Father is so awesome 
then it even gets more exciting even though you feel, am I, am I the only one like this? Do you feel the same thing? See, it's the unknown. It's the what is, what's coming. And we're so people, we're so human. We want to know what's good is it? Just tell us. And God's like, no, it's not for you to know. But here's what John MacArthur went on to say. I see a clarity that is coming to the culture. I love the fact that we can see the true church and those who hate the truth. I love the fact that we can see truth and lies, church and anti-church, Christ and anti-Christ. He says, I love this kind of clarity. And then he goes on to say, these are the best of times. And I actually agree with him. I think there's no greater time to be alive in the church of Jesus Christ than right now because there's some crazy, exciting things that are coming, but we're going to have to suffer into, into those things. It's right for us now to think about those things and work on those things before they come so that when they come, we can be victorious as we move through it. Because we've applied, we've been faithful to apply the truth of God's word to our circumstance. I need you to listen to me right now. We are being identified. I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. I have, I've, I've been good to my promise. I have cut back at least 50% on my news intake. And that has helped my spirit, actually. Um, <laughs> But you don't have to watch much news to understand that we, the Church of Jesus Christ, is being identified, singled out, and labeled. And you know what the label is? Religious zealots. Now, they've tried, they're trying to attach us to Donald Trump. Can we just all make a declaration that we are not, the evangelical Church of Jesus Christ did not vote for Donald Trump we voted for the platform that Donald Trump was going to stand on if we voted for Donald Trump. Did I just tell you I voted for Donald Trump? <laughs> I'm getting pounded for that. And I told you, in fact, here's what I, can you, oh my Lord. <laughs> I've had it said to me in the last couple of weeks, well, you're obviously a raving rep Republican. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm not even registered a Republican. And I told you as a church, when we were getting ready for this vote, we handed out voter guides for everybody, remember? And this is what I said to you. Listen, we don't vote for the man or woman we vote for the platform that they're going to run on. We vote for the principles they're going to stand on. We vote for the policies that they are going to put out there. And do they represent what we believe is righteous for our We did have some very clear things to vote against by voting against that person. I didn't make any sense right then, but I'm gonna tell you, where am I at? 
We are being identified, I got it, I'm back on track. We are being identified as religious zealots somehow, and they're singling us out, and it isn't something that's coming in the future, it's here among us right now. All you have to do is listen. And you know what their solution to this problem is? Anybody want to throw it out there? Deprogramming. You don't think that that's real? You need to wake up. Because when we get to this point, the point of persecution, oh man, Phil, the compromisers will disappear. Remember that? We talked about the 70, 30% thing in the church. Um, the, the people who are faking it, they will run and flee. It's true that in, in all of life, all of the church life, that persecution purges the true church and all the fakers run for the hills because the price is too high. No one will go to their death no one will go to a prison camp. No one will go through a reprogramming or deprogramming program who's a faker. The price is too high. They'll walk away. And therefore, the persecution that is coming to the church will purify the church and draw the lines of clarity. My brothers and sisters, we are stepping into a new world of injustice and a new world of carnality, and they're not even hiding it anymore. It's all out in the open. It's freaking me out. They're not even going around the back door. It's just like straight up in your face. What are you going to do about it? No more camouflaging because they don't need to. We're stepping into a culture where hatred of the truth is going to accelerate at a pace that we have not yet experienced. A time when even the leaders of the church will become false prophets and distort the truth. How many of you have heard pastors say, everyone needs to trust me and listen to me. I have a word from the Lord. I heard that this is going to happen. How many of you heard that? I heard a pastor say to his church of 50 years, I've been your pastor, your faithful pastor for 50 years, but I have recently become a prophet, he said. Okay, you just got the gift. Okay, great. And the Lord told me that this is going to happen in the future. You all just need to relax, he said. Trust your shepherd. It's going to happen because God told me. It didn't happen. Now what do we do? You know, in the old days what they did? You know, if, if somebody came up and said, I'm a prophet, and this is what God said, if it didn't come true, they were supposed to take that guy out back and stone him to death because he is a false prophet and he's going to lead God's people astray. I asked one of my buddies who believes in prophecy a couple weeks ago. I, I, said, I said, tell me, friend, what are you guys going to do? <laughs> I'm 
shouldn't have said it that way, but I said, what are you guys gonna do with your prophets when they say this is what the Lord said and it doesn't come true? What are you gonna do? Man, we live in dangerous times, you guys. When even, and this is what was told in the scriptures, that in the end, in the end times, in the last days, there will come some from inside of you, and, he, and the, word, the, the word calls them wolves, savage wolves that will come in amongst you, and they will try to scatter the sheep, and they'll try to deceive people. Even amongst your own people, the scripture says, and we're living in it right now. This is why we need to counter this fake news that's all around us and know the truth. Because Jesus said in John 8, 31, if you will hold to my teachings, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You guys, I am so sorry. that I have so much trouble right now because I haven't even started the sermon yet. And uh, so we're gonna rock and roll here, okay, and just really get after it. Um, and finish this. <laughs> One of the brothers asked me, is this gonna be a three-part sermon? I said, no, we're gonna get it done this week. We're gonna finish it, okay? But I just want you to know that a really good uh, friend of mine, um, a, a new friend of mine, actually, Pastor Stephen Swihart, um, he has written this booklet entitled The Real Christian and Those Who Wear Masks. And this isn't about the pandemic, okay, at all. This is all about Um, How do you identify in the last days, how do you identify the true Christians? And are you a true Christian? Amazing booklet. And um, I asked if he had some, and he went and had them actually produced. So we have 100 of these. Um, They're free. We want you to have one. You can go to the connection point and pick one up today. And if we run out, there's another 100 coming um, that we can make available. This is the type of book that you can read to help you understand If you're standing like you should in the world we live in today, and are you in the right relationship with God like you should be? And then it's the kind of book that you read, and when you're done, you pass it to a friend who needs it. I would encourage you, please pick this up, read it. I read it in about 20 minutes. It's an awesome read, and it's an awesome book. So please pick one up, um, and then give it to a friend, and we'll just buy more if we need them, okay? Okay, Deuteronomy 29, 29, as we look at this truth, we continue from last week, the question, why? Uh, the question you may never get answered. So Deuteronomy 29, 29, here we go. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that have been revealed belong to us and to our children. Can you just say that next word together with me? Forever. It's a great word that we may obey all the words of this law. We looked last week, the truth number one is that God has secrets, and we learned that those secrets, what it literally means is that he has hidden some things from us, and he has concealed some things, literally things that can't be known by any means, things that you can't know because God is intentionally keeping them from you. He's hiding them from us, and we all examined our hearts last week, right, and asked the question, are we okay that God has secrets that he's intentionally keeping from us? It's a hard question to wrestle with, and I, I confess that I struggle with that concept. But it's actually the question that puts genuine faith to the test. We, say, we worked on this. We struggle with the concept of God having secrets because it settles with finality our minuscule role 
in his infinite plan, bringing into perspective the truth of Isaiah 55, 8, and 9 that says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Understand who you are. Understand who I am. In fact, forget about who you are for a while and just understand who I am. And I am God and I have secrets. Truth number two we need to work on. Now we're into new territory, ready? God has secrets that you can't know. Verse 29, Deuteronomy 29, the secret things, they belong to God. They don't belong to us. We can't know them, we can't learn them through teaching, we can't learn them through study, and we can't learn them by experience because they belong to God. They will never belong to us, these secret things. But look at this quote that I came across. I love this. This is something you can write down and put it on the walls of your home. We don't have to know every why when we know the who that knows them all. I'm a God has a secrets, I can't know struggler. I just am. I have issues with this. It's probably control issues that I have. Um, but I want to share with some secrets that I have learned about these secrets that God has. When Robin and I went off to, to do some counseling about our life situation, I just, um, I was really struggling with this aspect. Um, because I couldn't understand why God would let happen what had happened. And these are the things that I learned. These aren't my things that I, these are just things that I want to share with you that I have learned that have been a help to me, okay? So um, let me say this first before we get into it. I believe that God keeps secrets from us to protect us because we can't handle the knowledge that he has. And we're gonna work on that in this first secret um, that I have learned that God keeps secrets from us to keep our heads from exploding. Literally. In fact, Ephesians 3.20 says this, God is able to do, and here's the word, immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. What I want to say to you is, that God is at work in your lives through the power of his, his power and his might through the Holy Spirit working inside of us in all of our circumstances. And it's more, it's immeasurably more than you can even ask or imagine. It's beyond your ability to understand the plans God has for you, but he has them. How many of you knew minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, and month by month what 2020 would bring you? Aren't you glad? Think about the worst year of your life. We all can know that. In fact, your minds are already there. Some of you kids even know. You've had a really bad year. There's a, there's a certain year. You know, yeah, that's the year that so-and-so stole my bike or... You know, I got grounded for two weeks and I hated that. I mean, it, there, every single one of us, you can think back of the worst year of your life. 
Did you know that that was coming? Did you know what you were going to experience or did it just kind of sneak up on you? Well, that, the answer is simple, obvious. Of course, it just snuck up on us. Aren't you glad? Multiply that out now by your whole life. How horrible would it be to live your life if you knew 24 months before the horrible, the most horrible year of your life was gonna happen, it was gonna happen. Or 36 months, or 48 months, or 10 years ago, you knew that you were going to experience how much dread would you live with then? He knows we can't handle it. But he knows, and therefore we can know that he can because of who he is. You know, one pastor I was listening to on this, this is what he said. He said, if God would fill our heads, make our, our brains, our heads big enough to contain what he knows, he'd have to like move Pluto out of the way to make room in the universe for our heads. That's how much higher God is to us. Or how much, let's put it this way, how much small, how small we are compared to God and all of his knowledge. So he keeps secrets from us to keep our heads from exploding. Here's another one. He keeps secrets from us to limit our pride. 1 Corinthians 8.1 says that knowledge puffs up. And I believe that God limits us. And here's what he wants us to know. He gives us enough to know and understand who we are. And I want to take you to 1 Corinthians 1.25. The foolishness of God, now Paul understands, and you need to understand, God's never foolish, right? You know that. There is no foolishness of God. Paul's totally got his tongue in his cheek as he's writing this, okay? But basically this, God, if there was any foolishness of God, the foolishness of God is human wisdom. Am I having a problem with my microphone? Do I need to change over to something? Okay. And the weakness of God, if there was such a thing, there is no such thing, but if there was such a thing as the weakness of God, it is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. In other words, remember who you are and who you were when God called you. I'm going to raise my hand. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not in order to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. My friends, what God wants you to know are not the things he's keeping from you. He wants you to understand who you are and remember who you are and who you were when he called you and be grateful for the calling and trust him for everything you don't know. He keeps things from us to limit our pride because knowledge pops up. Here's, here's the another thing he he keeps secrets from us to stop us from judging him. You remember Job? 
All these things happened to Job. We talked about last week, and, and Job goes before God, and he says, why would you allow this to happen? Why did you even let me be born? Remember that? Remember God's answer? Who are you to ask me these kinds of questions? Do you really want to come and do battle with the Almighty? Do you think this is a wise thing? Who do you think you are, Job? And Paul writes to us in Romans chapter 9 with these words. Who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common uses? How ridiculous is it, in other words, for the lump of clay to look up at the potter and say, you really aren't going to do this, right? You really aren't going to shape me like this, right? You really aren't going to make me into this thing that I think you're making me into, right? You get it? It's never happened. No clay. How stupid is it to think that the clay would say something to the potter? Or like, I got some pictures here. You know, why, why did you make that picture that brings life out of it to all around and make that person like that, but you end up making me like this, a spittoon. How silly. Why would you make her like this beautiful vase that everybody walks into the room and sees and is just like, oh, how awesome, how beautiful. Why would you make them like that, but you end up making me sit under the bed like this. And if you're old enough, you know what that is. <laughs> How silly, right? And yet we do it all the time. Isn't it a diminishment of God to question him like this? For the clay who doesn't know anything, to say to the potter and the craftsman and the creator, what were you thinking? Why did you make me like this? Why did you give me this position in life? Why am I having to do this? Why did you call, did you really call, that's what, that's what Job said, did you really call me to this? Is this what I was born to? And God simply says, are you really going to judge me? Are you really going to stand in judgment of me? Are you really the clay going to tell me? Here's another thing that I have learned. That God keeps secrets from us to keep us on mission. See, when we don't know the future and we don't know where we're going and we have the questions about the whys and the wheres and the what is going on, God simply says to us, when you don't know where to go, Isaiah 30, 20, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. This is the way. I have a plan for you. I haven't revealed it to you. You don't know what it is, but you just need to trust me. I am almighty God and you can trust me. And when you don't know the way, because I'm keeping it from you, 
trust me, you'll hear a voice that says, this is the way, walk in it. I direct your steps. That's what the Lord says. Do you trust him for that? Here's the third truth that helps us explain that last one to keep on mission. Truth number three, God has already given us all we need. Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but, circle that in your Bible, but the things that have been revealed belong to us and to our children. How long? Forever that we may obey all the words of the Lord. Why are we spending so much of our time and energy wringing our hands and fussing and storing up bitterness inside of our hearts about the things that we don't know when we have a whole book of guidance that has already been supernaturally written down, preserved, and delivered to us? You know the way. Walk in it. And stop fussing about the things you don't know because they're hidden from you. You're never going to know them. Does that make sense to you guys? Stop worrying about what you don't know. Listen to me, everybody. We've got a lot that has been revealed to us. We have a lot that has been spoken to us. We have a lot that has been taught to us. Savor that. Immerse yourself in that. Concentrate and fixate on what you know and stop chasing that which you don't and you can't know because God isn't going to tell you. We really need to grow up past the whiny baby why is what I'm calling it. You know what I mean if you've had kids. Why? Doesn't that sound whiny? Why? I think God listens to us sometimes. It's like, oh, my word, there they go again. You know, when are you guys going to grow up? Why? Make your bed. Why? Because it'll add days to your life if you make up your bed. (laughs) Brush your teeth. Why? Because it'll keep you from getting cavities. Why? You want to some, don't you want us to say, just because I said so, that's why. How many times does God look at us? My friends, listen, we have got to grow up. Pass the whiny why. Why are you letting this happen to me? Why did you just let me die at birth? Why did you allow these things to happen? Why did you allow this person to come into my life? Do I really, am I really the one that you made to sit down here and get spit on all day long? Is that really what I'm supposed to, is that what your plan is for me? Yes, my son, it is. It is. And I have some, I have some plans for you to use you in my kingdom. You are uniquely made. You are uniquely equipped to do all I have planned for you. And those plans are not to harm you. Those plans are to prosper you and to use you in my kingdom. Don't question why. Just walk it out. Listen. Here's the way. Walk in it. We know a lot of why. In here, 
we know how this is going to go, right? We know how it's all going to end. We know all the characters involved. We've been given all that in here. We know which team we should be on and how to get on it. We know who wins and who the victors are. We actually know all that matters. Peter tells us that in 2 Peter 1.3, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Everything we need has been given to us. Do you believe that? Or do you need something else? Let me tell you something, my friends. God isn't up in heaven saying, ah, Jesus, maybe we should have given them a little more. What do you think? Everything we need to live this life successfully and prosperously has been revealed to us and it belongs to us and to our children and our grandchildren and their children. How long? Come on, say it. How long? Forever. You can't exhaust the knowledge. Anybody here yet say, yep, I know it all. I've done it all. I've lived it all. I've got it all figured out. Done. What's next? God, give me some more. Anybody want to say that? Come on, balcony. Ryan, surely you're a missionary, man. Don't you have it all figured out? You know what's crazy? The more you work in this, the more you don't know. I have exhausted Proverbs. I have been reading it daily for years. There are places that are marked in this Bible, like marked and marked and marked, like every other, every time I go through it, I mark it again, mark it again, mark it again. I even went to different colors so I know, well, this is a different time, you know, and I mark it in there. And every single time, something brand new hits me, brand new. Like I've never seen it before. Like I've never read that passage before. You can't exhaust. You can't get to the end, to the depths of all God has already revealed to you. And what we're supposed to be about are the things that we know, not worried about the things that we don't know. And teaching them to our children. Their children. Listen, my friends, are you listening closely? Please, everybody listen. Everybody listen to me. They're coming for your children like it's not already happening. There already is a deprogramming, reprogramming program going on in our public schools. It's happening. I'm going to put a shameless plug in for Elkhart Christian Academy right here. If there's ever a time you should think about putting your kids in Christian school, it is now, or homeschooling your children, it is now, because they're going to ramp this thing up like never before. They're already, they're thinking, you know what, here's how we're going to reprogram everybody. We're just going to rewrite history. I'm so ticked off about this. I can't, don't get me going, because I'm already done. We're already done. So, what do you mean, don't get me going, Phil? You're the one doing it, and we're not doing anything. (laughs) (laughs) Lord, don't get me going. (laughs) Listen to me. Listen, 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 listen. They're coming for our kids. And they're going to tell them, our children, that what their parents are teaching them is wrong and is hate speech and you're not to believe it. They're talking about it right now. 
out in the open scares me to death. But here's what it means. Children of God, people who have been entrusted with children, now more than ever, you need to raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Thank God for some awesome godly teachers that are teaching in our public schools, but you have the craziest, hardest job ever. I can do this. I can just say it out. I can't even imagine trying to be a teacher in a public school where I'm just like completely locked up when I need to know I, I'm supposed to be teaching children truth. Okay, that's it. I'm done with that. We have everything we need to share with our children, to live our lives, but to share with our children. That's what the church is all about. God's people are to be about sharing what God has already revealed and not worry about the secret things, but focus on everything that we know, listen to its truth and live in its truth and share it with everyone else forever until Jesus comes. Write this down. Go ahead, leave it up there. God's word is God's provision for human happiness. How awesome is that? The lie that Satan wants you to believe is that you can't find happiness unless you search for it in the world. The truth is, the only happiness you will find, the only satisfaction you will find, the only success you will have, the only profitability you will get is what you find in the word of truth, God's word. And his expectation is that we will take what has already been revealed to us, apply it to our hearts and lives, getting our focus off of what we don't know and understand and savor and live in what has already been revealed and then share it with our children and everyone else. That's the simple work of this message and of the word of God, the truth that we need to have in our hearts. Because the truth is, there's a question called why that you may never get answered. And we're gonna have to be okay with that. Thanks for your patience this morning with me. Um, let's go ahead and stand and let me pray over you. So Lord, um, I don't know what else to say right now except this. I've read this in your word. Um, we believe, help our unbelief. Strengthen our feeble knees. By your spirit, give us the ability to trust you and resist the temptation to figure all of our life out knowing that there's no pleasure in that, there's no satisfaction in that, there's no peace in that, there's no hope in that. How foolish is it for us to put our hope in man or hope in ourselves or hope in the things that we have or the knowledge that we have. We're supposed to put our hope in you, so help us with that. And would you just help my brothers and sisters here that are really struggling I have been there with you, my friends. I know what it is like in the bitter, dark times of the night to cry out to God and 
I pray that the Holy Spirit will come to you like he has to me and bring peace that passes understanding that will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, lift up your countenance upon my brothers and sisters and shine upon them so that you can shine through them as we leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for your patience with this message. I have an announcement. Can I make an announcement to you uh, before you take off? Uh, the, the deacons and elders have wrestled this to the ground, um, and we have made the decision. The elders are recommending and releasing us to go back to our small group gatherings um, starting next Sunday. So, yeah, praise the Lord. Um, we, we, I'm going to be very careful saying this, but we believe we need to be more about our spiritual health than our physical health. That does not mean that we are careless or we're going to be careless. Um, in fact, we're going to be careful and we're going to have conversations at our leadership levels in all of our ministries to make sure that we're continuing with some safety protocols and those kinds of things. Um, so, but we believe that we're doing more damage to the hearts and the body of Christ to continue to stay shut down in these areas. So we're going to just release it all. That includes life groups, lay-led ministry, Bible studies. It includes um, children's ministry and youth ministry on Sunday nights. So our clubs will be opening up next Sunday. Um, and we're just releasing all our, our senior citizens groups are going to be meeting and everything else. So we're, we're just uh, praising the Lord for that, but here's what you need to hear, okay? We still need to be very sensitive to the needs we have. We only have about 70% of our people back at church. We know we're only gonna have about 70% of our people coming back to our small group gatherings, but our goal is to make sure we're getting everybody involved, okay? We're trying to get everybody involved, those of you who are at home, are involved here with us, okay? You're joining us online. So we're getting creative in our small group gatherings to make sure we're gathering everybody and we're caring for everybody, even if they don't feel ready to come back and join us physically in a group, okay? So we just need to continue to be careful with each other's needs and do what we've always been doing. We're giving you the choice. Your health and your security and your comfort is in your hands and the decisions you're making in this. We're trying to give you as many options as possible, okay? All right, well, I'm excited about that and can't wait to get things rolling and see what God's gonna do. God bless you as you go. God bless you online. Thank you for joining us today. You are loved in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining our worship service online today. Our prayer is that the worship and the teaching has left an impression on your heart and that God will use it to inspire you to love God, love people, and penetrate our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today, or if you need prayer, you can let us know by clicking the link to our online connection card. And then if you haven't yet taken advantage of it, you can download our church app where we have all of our announcements and opportunities, and you can also use it to share this week's message with a friend. And then you can also check out our website, fbclcart.org, to stay connected with us that way as well. God bless, have a great week, and we'll see you here again next week.